welcome to the Beautiful Life Podcast. This message is by Nigel Desmond. I just want to give a disclaimer for this morning's um, teaching. This has happened to me very rarely in 30-something years of ministry. When I got back from the conference lo- uh, last night, I sat for a couple of hours at my desk just pursuing the Lord for a word for this morning. And um, he, uh, he gave me a title. And then, well actually no, I wrote down a title, to be honest. I wrote down a title of what I was going to preach on. And, um, and then I felt like the Lord said, no, it's okay, I'll give it to you tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow morning and I was like ah no this, 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 this doesn't work for me so literally I got the sermon during during the worship time so there's some assembly required on this I think I feel so let's pray stretch out your hands towards the preacher say God, God help, help Nigel, Nigel. Help, me. help me in Jesus name Amen, Amen. Amen. so over the last um Two weeks or so, I've been feeling the Lord really stirring my heart um, in the area of living in a different economy. And, and I feel like it's a word that we not only have to begin to believe and see and preach, but it's a word that we need to begin to carry um, for our nation and for the, nation, uh, the nations of the earth. It's often very difficult to preach in these areas because there's a couple of areas, there's a couple of areas um, in the Word and in the Kingdom that actually feel like minefields as a uh, as a preacher, you know. Because on the on the one side, like there's a, there's the risk of preaching, you know. The moment you mention the word prosperity, apart, um, you know, you find it across the Bible, you know, people say, oh no, it's that prosperity gospel kind of thing. Um, and you know, and health and healing—that's another—that's another, uh, another uh, area. But the reality is, is that God wants to give His people the power to prosper. That—that that is the reality. God's plans are to prosper. And as I was just being uh, med- uh, meditating on this, about about three or four days ago, I was just spending time with the Lord, and the Lord led me to to this scripture. Go go with me in your Bibles to um, the book of Colossians. Chapter um, chapter three, verse one. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seating the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on not on the things that are on uh, on the earth. And so I felt the Lord draw me into that place. And as I began to meditate on it, the Lord began to speak to me about the fact that we are called to live from another place. You see, Christianity, we we often live like um, we are living on earth, but we are trying to attract heaven. uh, So so we, we live in a sense... We try to do the right things to be blessed so that God will, uh, God, uh, God will prosper us. But actually, 
what we are invited into is a whole different, not only a different way of life, I've been speaking about that we have a different life, we have life in Christ, which is not only a qualitatively different uh, kind of life, it is a quantitatively different kind of life. You're literally living by a different life principle. But even more than that, in Christ, you were translated out of one kingdom into another kingdom. You've been translated into a different universe, if I can put uh, put it that way. And in that uh, universe, you live by a different set of principles. You live, I can put it bluntly, with a different economy. And then, uh, still in uh, in Colossians, a little uh, little while ago, um, that same thing, I felt the Lord take me back a chapter. And uh, chapter 2, verse 20 says... If you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of this world, why, now listen to this question, why, as if you were living in the world, do you submit to such decrees? What? Why, as if you were living in the world, do you submit yourself to um, uh, do you submit yourself to, uh, to decrees such as? Now, that question just so forcibly hit me. He says, as if you were living in the world. The implication being, you're not living in the world. Why are you living as if you were? living in, uh, in the world. Because, as he goes on to say, in chapter 3, he says, Therefore you have been raised up with Christ. Where is Christ now? Was he, has he been raised up to Portugal? Where did he go? He's seated in the throne room of the kingdom. And when he rose, we rose in him. So you rose into a different economy. The, you, you're no longer living in that economy. Why is this important? I actually really feel that it's, it's important for the church at this time in, in the world economy and in, uh, in the South African economy for us to begin to embrace this because I believe that this is going to become a vital necessity in the season ahead. Because I believe that God is, want, is going to want to increasingly distinguish between His people and the world by showing the different nature of His kingdom. You see, when, uh, when Israel left, um, left Egypt and they went through the desert, they got to this point in the desert, and you can see it in Exodus th- uh, 33, where God comes and He tests His people and He says, Listen guys, go ahead, go without me. I'll send an angel in front of you. I will se- uh, uh, send the angel to drive out your enemies uh, in front of you. I will also give you the land that I, uh, that I promised uh, to give you. But I'm not coming with you in case I kill you. 
And Moses' response to God is, if your presence does not come with us, how will, we dis- how will people know that we are any different from all the other peoples of the earth? No, it's your presence that's meant to distinguish us from the rest of the peoples of the earth. And you know, I, I actually believe that God is wanting to release a level of prosperity, and I mean that in the broadest possible sense, not just a financial sense. However, I am including a financial uh, sense in that. Because that's part of it. He's wanting to release a level of prosperity that we've never seen if we are willing to embrace it. So go back to Deuteronomy chapter 8. The Lord took me back to, to, to this passage of Scripture. I want to set it up for you about, about uh, 31 years ago. The Lord gave me this passage of Scripture when Debbie and I were just leaving uh, university and uh, going to plant our first church in, in Grahamstown. And I can remember the Lord giving us this pa- uh, passage of Scripture. And um, we, uh, at, at that time, uh, we went and we got jobs at, uh, in Grahamstown. I had a teaching job for three months, which was a temporary teaching post, which came to an end. And then after that, for quite a long period of time, um, we subsided on Debbie's, Debbie's salary. She had a, a job as a stock clerk at Edgar's and uh, earning the princely sum of 1,200 rand a month. And that was back in the days when 1,200 rand was not a lot of money. Um, of course, now, you know. And um, we, were, we were generally broke um, during that time from the third of the month. The third of the month, um, we were generally broke. Uh, we had paid our bills and we had no money. And um, it, was a, it was a time that was really challenging, but it was extraordinary at the same time. Um, we saw the craziest provision miracles dur- uh, uh, during that time, uh, where God would come and we'd just get breakthrough. Um, I, remember, I remember one particular occasion, we needed to come and visit mom and dad, and they lived down in uh, East London, we were in Grahamstown, and we just couldn't drive with our car, because the tires were just... They would, you know, they would not take us there and back. But we felt the Lord say to us to take the last of the money we had in our account, which I think was 400 rand, and we got four new tires, four new retreats for um, our car for 400 rand. Yeah, praise the Lord, that's on the money. And uh, so we did that. And they gave us the old retreats, but you, know, you can't really, you, in the old times, you can't really eat them. That, you know, they weren't that, they were worse than, worse than snails and, and, and garlic rice. And, uh, and I remember coming down to visit mom and dad and coming back and just really stressing. Actually, you know what? It wasn't 400, it was 320 rand four times. Because um, I remember the amount. And uh, got back, realizing I don't have the money for the rest of the month. We got back on Monday uh, morning and there was an envelope in our, uh, in our post box from a friend who we'd been at Varsity uh, with. And he had sent us 400 rand. And he said to us, listen, I don't know why, but I just was, a, you guys were on my heart this morning and I felt the Lord tell me to send you 400 rand. Which when we took our tithes and our offerings, 
exactly reflect, uh, cover the price of four new times. And we have miracle like this after time after time after time. We have these um, amazing uh, miracles. And the Lord began to work with Debbie and I to show us His provision in a dry place. And I believe that, that this is what God was doing with Israel in the book of De- uh, Deuteronomy. You know, and He says here, He says, All the commandments that I've given you today, you should be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your forefathers. You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments or not. He humbled you and he let you be hungry and he fed you with manna which you did not know nor did your fathers know that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but, by, uh, but man lives by everything that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. You see, what God was doing, he wasn't just trying to get them into the performance of fulfilling certain commands. Because traditionally we read this as like, you know what, if you obey, you will be blessed. And there is that element. But what actually the Lord was doing with Israel here, He was taking them out of Egypt where they had been slaves for 400 years. They had learned to think as slaves in, uh, uh, in, uh, in Egypt. And He was discipling them as a people and as a nation to operate with a different economy and a different way of thinking. But it took time for them to be discipled in a new economy, in a new way of thinking. You see, Israel, when they first left Egypt, they, 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 um, they faced trial, they faced this. Their first reaction was, No man, this is terrible, we're going to starve, we're going to die. Let's go back and be slaves again. At least we had meat in the, uh, you know, we had pots of flesh and pots of meat and we got fed. At least we were being fed back in Egypt. And you see, it takes a while for God to disciple people that there is a different economy that He's called us to live in. And if you don't think differently, you will just end up being a slave again. Yeah, to the principles of the world. To the elementary principles of this world, as if you live in it. And you see, what, I believe what God is calling us to do, I believe that we're heading into a time, and we are in a time, where there is challenge. People are looking around at the economy, you know, ESCOM power cuts, etc., etc., and they're looking around, and fear is gripping the world, but that same fear should not and must not penetrate your heart Because you have a father. And you are called to live in a different economy. And to make the lesson really clear. God takes Israel and he leads them out. Not to a land of milk and honey. But to a desert. And for 40 years. They are in the worst condition possible. They're in a desert. They don't want scorpion barbecues and snake, uh, 
uh, snake burgers. And, and as they, and they're there, every single day, there's manna. And the interesting thing is, it says, He caused you to hunger. He brought them into a place of hunger. And then He showed His faithfulness. Every morning. Every morning. Every morning. He wouldn't even provide two days food for them, except on, on the weekend. Isn't that amazing? On the Sabbath, they'd get enough for two days. But if they collected two days manna, by the second day, the manna had got, had got maggots in it. You know, that always amazes me, is that, like, listen, man, you can find flies anywhere. <laughs> and maggots anywhere, you know? That's, that, that's another miracle. God provided the flies, but not on the weekends. No flies on the weekends. That's, that's amazing. And so every day, you know, and why would they collect two days uh, worth of manna? Because even though God had provided this morning, they were like, what if God doesn't provide tomorrow morning? And, tomorrow, and, and God, God actually grew angry at them. They were, Listen guys, we're going to provide it. And do you know how long he did that for? Every day for 40 years. So that the generation that rose up, they grew up knowing that they were living in a different economy. There were famines around them. People were there, there, there were there were crop failures in the nations around Israel. But in the desert, they were fully provided. Not only that, but the things that should break and wear out didn't break and wear out. Their clothes never wore out. I mean, how many of you have ever gone to, to the shop, bought yourself a, a jacket or a, a pair of jeans or something, uh, an outfit, and you really like it? A couple of washes later, you're kind of looking and thinking, oh man, it's faded. I mean, I really like that. But you keep wearing it, you keep wearing it until it's just about threadbare because you remember <laughs> it's in its former glory. I mean, let's be honest, have we all done this? Yeah? Yeah? I want you to think about the fact that they walked out of Egypt with a set of clothes that never wore out. After 40 years, it was still as fresh and as good as it was when they left Egypt. What a marketing strategy. <laughs> <laughs> there was, it was unworn out clothes. <laughs> fashion didn't change. Like my dad always used to say, anyway, fashion is an idiot. That's why it changes its mind with you that. <laughs> so, I want you to think about that. Their shoes didn't wear out. I mean, I, these, these boots replaced my favorite boots that I ever had. I kept them for 10 years. I kept them for 10 years. I resold them three times. Until certain powers that be forced me to get rid of them. Oh, Jesus, I would have loved that anointing to keep those shoes forever. <laughs> so comfortable. But, you know, we, we shall not mention it. But you know. You know. Imagine the shoes they wore. Why was God doing this? Because God was showing them, guys. Not only have I brought you out of Egypt, 
But he was training them to live in a different economy entirely. To think in a different way. It wasn't just a miracle of provision that he was showing them. He was showing them that I call you to be a nation of sons and daughters. I call you to be a nation of priests. I'm making of you a different people. I'm making of you a kingdom people. And you are going to be different. And so he discipled them for 40 years. And then when they got to the borders of the promised land, his plan was that they would not forget the lessons of the desert and revert to a worldly economy. And he, he says here, he, did, um, he said, remember, verse 7, 16, in the wilderness, he fed you with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you uh, to do good for you in the end. Otherwise, you may say in your heart, my power and the strength of my hand made me this wealth. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who is giving you the power to make wealth, that He may confirm His covenant which He swore to your fathers as it is this day. And so He discipled them with a purpose so that when they came into the place where God wanted to pour out His blessing on them, that as they began to grow in the wealth and the blessing that God had promised to give them, that they would continue to live in His economy that they had been trained for in the desert. Have you seen that? So that, that, that when they got there, they wouldn't go, oh, okay, right, now my strength, and, my, and that, that word strength is strength, excellence, wisdom, um, that, that's what it means. So it's, uh, they, they would revert to an old economy, an earthly economy. And you see, the, thing, the interesting thing is, he had to humble them first. And what was the, the humility? The humility was stepping back and saying, listen, I am dependent upon him. My economy that I live by is driven by every word that comes from His mouth. What He has declared over me. He has said, I have plans to prosper you. Now, I, I, you know, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to clarify this. Not that it's necessary, but maybe on the podcast it is necessary. Prosperity is not just provision, money, etc. But it is part of it. Money is part of it. Why is it important for us to, to know this? Because our mandate is to bring the kingdom in the world, in the earth. We are meant to export as it is in heaven, so on earth. And, and I, was, I asked Debbie this question on the way back from, um, uh, from Hermanus. And I said to honey, do you think that in heaven there are just better quality shanty towns? Michaela's meditating on this. Her <laughs> eyebrows have shot up. She's thinking, I didn't realize my pastor was that stupid. 
That was a prophetic word right there. She's like, oh, she's blushing. Oh, my God. Did he have to ask Pastor Daddy about that? It's amazing. As in heaven, so on earth. You know, the, the reality is, in this next season, as the world economy is getting rocked and struggled, the world's going to start looking around for hope. If you are not carrying hope for the world, where will they find it? We have to be hope carriers. What's our hope? That even as things grow challenging, there is another economy that we are called to bring and establish in the world. I believe we need to have a vision to see poverty and all poverty eradicated out of the world. I don't know about you, but does... Does anyone feel violated in their spirit? Sometimes when you drive into Cape Town and you're looking on either side of the road and you, you're seeing poverty and extreme poverty and you say to yourself, God, this should not be. Is there anything that is violated that feels this is unjust, this is wrong? I know that's not your plan for human beings. But if we believe that, then we have to believe that when he said his kingdom would fill the whole earth, that his glory would cover the world, it's not just a spiritual kingdom and it's not just a spiritual glory. But that, that that spiritual kingdom would have an earthly effect and lift nations out of ignorance, fear and poverty. Amen? We've got to carry that in us. We've got to carry that in us. And the way we do that is we begin to believe for nations. Amen? We begin to believe for people groups. We begin to carry a different economy within us. Amen? So I believe that we need to trust in God for breakthrough person because God, God's actually wanting to prosper you in such a way that your life makes the world change. Yes, and that's scriptural. That your life may, that they go and they say, wow, man, your God is so faithful. He's, he, and they begin to grow just, and not only that, but we carry hope to, to lift South Africa out of poverty. Now, you know, I even look at the nation of Israel. Nation of Israel, to this day. God could have established Israel um, in the plains, you know, the fertile, um, the fertile uh, plains of uh, Ukraine. Ukraine apparently is like one of the most fertile nations in the world. Could have done it there. He could have given them a, a, a park in Europe with lots of, uh, lots of rain for it. Could, could have done it. But no, where did he choose? The desert. The desert. Israel, Israel is a desert nation. And do you know that per capita is one of the highest agricultural uh, outputs of any nation in the world? Israel has more PhDs and... Um, a uh, high-end degree than any nation in the world. Something like one-third 
of, uh, of new innovations and, uh, and um, inventions in the tech industry come out of Israel more than the rest of the world combined. There's this, and, and there's this thing, there's this blessing on the people of Israel that remains to this day. And part of it is the Jewish people believe differently and they disciple their children differently to believe to us. In the same way we do. I just want to point out two things. Um, and the first one is, and Nigel was talking about obviously prosperity being more than just finances. But you know, um, the Bible actually says that if you're faithful with worldly wealth, He will give you true riches. This is like almost your worldly wealth is just the baby steps, first grade of the true greater things. Because, you know, I mean, we were praying this morning for a, a health issue and, um, and we said to each other, yeah, I mean, we're not under, you know, an earthly economy with regard to, you know, God's health care. It's not this earthly economy's health care. No, here's a different health care system. And we're part of those, that health care system. You know, with regard to joy, peace, love, all those things that are actually are so much more valuable than, than actual finances. So, you know, being, you know this it, it, learning to live according to the prin- heavenly principles, God's principles in our... Um, finances is baby steps for all the other things. Um, but the other thing that I read, when, you know, we were talking about the scripture, Nadal and I, um, Deuteronomy 8, we've read it so many times. But um, the thing that just seemed to stick out for me was um, I mean, all, I, I, I quote it all the time God gives you the ability to create wealth. Um, and, you know, I've always understood that. Um, but the thing that really, I just thought about it in the context, going back to when um, God was building the temple, and it says that um, Moses was to choose Bezeel, um, and they laid hands on him, and God, he was the first person, that craftsman, was the first person in the Bible that we see God filling with his Holy Spirit. First person. And, um, and it says God filled him with his Holy Spirit and, and with ability and wisdom and wisdom to create. to create. And so I just thought of that again. And I thought about what we have been talking about um, the last couple of weeks about the Holy Spirit um, is the one that empowers us. You know, we've got the Word, but He is the one that empowers us. And um, I thought about this context of he gives us the ability to create wealth. That um, it's more than, again, it's more than just a, a principle in the sense of, um, with, like just our, uh, another, put it this way, another um, version of that, another version of the Bible, if you read it, it says, it doesn't say he gives you the ability to create wealth, it translates that word as he gives you the power to create wealth. And um, again, for me, it's just saying, this isn't something that we do. This is something that we receive. 
And I just thought again, like, to be in that place where we say, fill me, Holy Spirit, with your power to create wealth. And to take the time to ask the Lord to fill us with power. So so it's like, if I want to maybe um, rephrase that word, He gives us the soup by His Spirit. He gives us by His Spirit the supernatural power to create wealth. So in the sense of, because we often want to put that into some sort of how we, like He's going to get us. But can you um, think about it just from where we trust God to bring healing to someone? He gives us the supernatural power to create healing because we, we know we can't do it. But the fact is, is that we, lived, we have lived so much by this earthly principle of we, us making the wealth that we, it's just so hard to get out of that headspace of the power somehow connected with us to make wealth that we don't leave room for His Holy Spirit supernaturally um, to make wealth, and, that, and I thought that was always interesting about God. Not what Nigel was saying, God bringing them into the desert because they they suddenly realize that they, we have well, there's nothing to even start with. We haven't got anything. They had to trust the supernatural power of God to provide for them, and so just yeah. So I mean, yeah, you can see that in verse 17 and 18. It says, "Otherwise, you may say in your heart, my power." And, and the strength of my hand made me this wealth. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who is giving you the power to make wealth, and that He may confirm your covenant, uh, His covenant which He swore to your forefathers, as it is this day. And you see, there's the two different powers. It's, it's your power, our economy, our wisdom, etc., this is the choice that we get to live in. That economy, or his economy, and his economy is a supernatural economy of dependence, of faith, of trust, uh, uh, etc. And they're two different economies. And the Lord had to disciple Israel into humility of trust. The humility of trust that they could live in his economy. So, I, I, I really want us to go away and really meditate on this as we go away. Like, Lord, help me and give us, and we'll pray now, but to start thinking about how do I think about finances beyond myself? Yeah, beyond so myself. I, um, I, in our art encounter a couple of weeks ago, um, I was specifically doing this whole financial, uh, I was doing a, an art encounter sort of thing with regard to finances and I, and we're just doing what the Lord was showing us and I, I had the most amazing encounter with the Lord and um, there was this line that I drew and the line was this graph, you know, like this is, you know, you, the graph and I just felt the Lord to just color in the top all blue. And then the Lord was speaking to me about that um, above the line is heaven. Heaven's economy. And I can live by my earthly understanding and wisdom and power here and how I'm going to make, or I can live up here. Um, And I mean, I had some wonderful things that I won't get into now, but the thing 
that comes to mind is that um, the Bible speaks about us being citizens of heaven and it speaks specifically about our minds, um, whether we have our minds on the spirit or on earthly things, whether we have our minds on heaven, in the heavenlies or here. So that's what I want to challenge you on. Like, start saying God, because I felt then, and I came home with Nigel that night, and then, funny enough, all this was starting to come up to him as well. And I said to the Lord, the Lord gave me an invitation tonight um, to step in to, um, in into heaven's economy. And I said, we need to respond, we need to pray. And we prayed. And, um, and I feel like that's what we need to do this morning. Amen. Because, I, you know, I feel like it's an invitation for all, all of us. And, you know, we just stepped, you know, stepped into that line above all our office. I'm stepping into giving I'm taking I'm, I'm accepting the invitation so let's stand and pray Amen. we hope you have enjoyed this message from Nigel Desmond for more information please visit nigelanddebbie.org